My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Joining me as podcast producer is Dapper David Bex. Yes, nice that's to me. Because <laughs> I just keep saying it because it makes you giggle. I like saying Dapper David Bax. I will never not say that. Sorry, right, but I just I, the guests who look at me in my jeans and t-shirt are wondering: Is this like calling a big guy tiny? Like, <laughs> I thought Dapper was your name. <laughs> well, in the past, David would show up in a, in a suit and tie, pretty nice. much. He, he would always. But then he got to know me, and then you know the magic wore off. So, but for, for me, I still have his dapperness. In my heart. Um, let me introduce my guest, and his name is Jeffrey Travis. Hello, Jeffrey. Hello. Thanks for having me. You were actually brought to my attention uh, via the guest who just came before you, Tracy Lehman. Um, right. And uh, I, how did you guys get to know each other? How how did you become friends? Did you work together? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. I met Tracy in Austin, where I used to live. So I moved to LA about five years ago, and uh, I actually don't remember. It's through a mutual friend, I think. Um, it's with our friend Ludic, possibly, uh, who's a composer. Okay. Cool. So, but we met a while back, and I remember uh, just you know I was had been some short films. She had done some short films at the time, and then she was one of the very first people I knew when I got to LA. I think the second day I arrived here, she took me out for coffee and made me feel really welcome. So, well, all you Texas people, you know, because I got a, got a couple of Dallas people uh-huh. too, and then there right. are the Austin people. Right, you all hang out. You're we a do. bit of a mafia, aren't you? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. secret Texas mafia. <laughs> Austin, wow. Yeah, and it's doing so well, and it's, it is. It is. Uh, you know, it's a great town. Uh, it's a good film scene there. It was a good place to. Um, uh, even a lot of the connections I have here today in LA came out of Austin. So it's a. Uh, it's been a great place to, I guess, cut my teeth on. And eventually, you would take over. That's right. <laughs> this conquer, the world conquer the world domination plan. Right. <laughs> All right. Let me tell you a little bit more about Jeffrey. Um, he is an award-winning filmmaker. After starting his own software company and author authoring three best-selling books on graphical programming. Yeah, you're listening to the right podcast. <laughs> he switched careers in 2003, and then your debut short film, What's Wrong With This Picture, went on to play at over 40 film festivals, caught the attention of TV executives at 20th Century Fox, who hired him to write and direct a pilot presentation, making you, like, you're like, you're like a Disney movie. This is <laughs> crazy. Right. This is crazy. Is. His film, Flatland the Movie, an animated sci-fi film starring the voices of Martin Sheen, Kristen Bell, Tony Hale, and Michael York, God, I love Michael York, has been seen by over a million kids in the U.S. and has been licensed by the Educational Ministries of South Korea, the Netherlands, Portugal, as well as being shown in over 35 countries. It's also been optioned to become an IMAX 3D film and is currently becoming a ride at a theme park in Southern California called, and it's going to be called Mathland, right? Right. right. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. Can we say with this theme park in Southern California? Uh, sure. It, like- it actually already debuted. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, it's a math. It's called Mathland. It's part of um, the math fair from Mind Institute. It's actually going to be a traveling theme park that gets kids uh, excited and interested in the STEM initiative, but mainly mathematics. And so wow. it's uh, yeah, kind of the central part of this traveling uh, theme park fair. And this so. traveling theme park. I love it. It's like, here, kid, get interested in other places. Now go away. Go. Uh, Jeffrey's new thriller film, Dragon Day is his feature film debut. It, pre- it premiered at the 2014 Los Angeles Latino Film Festival in Hollywood, got picked up for distribution by Entertainment One and Spotlight Pictures, and it's been released in over 19 countries and will have a DVD and VOD release in October, and which is this month, right. October 28th, right? That's right, right yeah. Three weeks away. Wow. Who knows when this podcast comes out? Maybe on the day. That <laughs> That'd is, be great. <laughs> yeah. 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 Let's let's start with that. Okay? okay. Let's start with Dragon Day. Sure. If it's going to be released DVD and VOD, and let's just say this is coming out on October 28th, where do people get it? Where do they go? Uh, well, hopefully go to our website, dragondaymovie.com, because uh, we actually see a little money from that. So, <laughs> But it'll be out in Walmart, uh, Target, Redbox. Um, kind of all the retail outlets and the video VOD release is actually being um, coming out later so it's a little unusual you know a lot of independent films now it's everything comes out at once but uh, E1 our distributor decided they wanted to uh, see what would happen with having just a physical DVD release for a, a short window before releasing it on VOD. So for so, a while, you'll, you'll only be able to get it on DVD. What? What? Uh, tell me a little bit. You said it's a thriller. So, so tell me about what Dragon Day is about. Sure. Yeah, Dragon Day is a thriller. It uh, centers around Duke Evans, who is an NSA engineer that's out of work, and the, the movie is about the day he takes his family to a uh, small mountain town. And it happens to be the day that China decides to launch a massive cyber attack to take over the U.S. in retaliation for uh, us failing to pay our debt. And so this family is stuck in a small mountain town when, like, water uh, power gets cut off, the banking system crashes, uh, all cell phone networks are hacked, and basically it's like a cyber Pearl Harbor. Or uh, the NSA agent's very bad day. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Wow. Wow. That sounds sounds huge as far as the budget goes. (laughs) Right, right. Was this a big budget movie? Uh, No, no, it wasn't. It was was a bit ambitious. It was a micro-budget movie. But I was kind of fascinated with this idea of, you know... once I got this idea in my head of telling a story and um, you know, I love sci-fi I love thrillers I grew up in the 80s you know loving movies like war games and uh said, you know, is there a way to tell this story in such a way that it's, it's, we have this backdrop, but it's still compelling following what happens to these characters and keep it very contained. And so we only see what our characters in the small mountain town see. Uh, it's like peeping through a keyhole at this kind of bigger disaster that we're aware of through seeing planes crash off in the distance, a little bit of a TV broadcast and uh, kind of the breakdown of law and order in this small town. Were you aware of that as you were writing it? Oh, like, absolutely. I'm going to, I'm yeah. going to be able to do this in a way that is still affordable, but right. still brings in these these bigger issues. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. You know, the, the movie Dragon Day came about actually as a bit of my frustration with having spent six years in uh, development on a previous feature that twice had been so close to getting made. At one point, we had a full budget, and uh, it was a much bigger budget movie um, with one of the major studios that was going to release it. And we even had a shoot date, cast attached, and then it fell apart at the last minute, like sometimes these things do. And I said, I, said, I just can't stand to wait more years again to, to make a film. So I 
kind of set out to write Dragon with the mindset of, you know, if we have to shoot this on our iPhones, we'll we'll make something, see what happens. But uh, I, I definitely was keeping that in mind. So, so, so when you set out to, to do this, um, so are you one of the producers then as well? I am, yeah. Okay. Director and producer. So, so you were like, I'm going to make this, and right. did you get all the financing? Did you get all the, the people behind it? Um, you know, we did. I did. I uh, found uh, a few investors that came in and started putting the initial budget to get it into can. Um, now that the movie's distributed, I can talk about the the numbers. But we we got it in the can for about ninety thousand dollars, and ended up with a total budget of about 250000 by the time it was done. Um, most of that money I raised through just um, people I knew or, or connect, connections, um, investors, and then we also did a crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo for post-production. Now, you're, you're a big VOD dude, right, David? Well, you love... You you love VOD movies, don't you? I don't know. Like weren't you the? Weren't you talking? I'm putting you totally on the side. No, 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 no. Because weren't you talking about about some of the the on demand movies that you were seeing or something like Probably, that? Probably, yeah. I do see a, a lot of. I get to see a lot of them. I don't know if myself forward is like an expert. I don't know. I was. Oh, I don't know. I remembered you talking about something like this, but I don't know. But um, but like this stuff is now like for me is starting uh-huh. to spark ever since Snowpiercer came out right, right you know and now suddenly like oh Snowpiercer okay well that yeah. was really quality I think in the past I always mm-hmm. was like I always sort of discounted things that went straight to <laughs> right you know right. but yeah, now like stigma. with Snowpiercer and also with um oh god I was just talking about it with the other movie uh I think it's the one I love Oh, right. Um, you know, there's just these really right. sort of quality productions that right. are going straight. Right. Well, I think that. even Snowpiercer did have a small theatrical. Small. Very small. Dragon small. Day did as well. We played in five cities for like two weeks. I think it did the same yeah. thing. And it was. But hardly anybody would know about that unless you were in that city. And, you know, and I think there's, there's right. something to that strategy where you sort of <laughs> have to do it in order to get it to a. Right, yeah, it helps you get reviews and Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, maybe takes away some of the stigma of direct-to-DVD saying, you know, at least we had a theatrical release. Yeah, so people should check this out. They should totally check this out because just there's so, there's there's quality that's Mm -hmm. out there and it just happens to be a different platform. It's not like second tier anymore. Mm Um, uh, Now, uh, you also um, are the consulting director and co-producer of something called Old Fashioned Mm -hmm. and it's a feature film set for release in 2015 it was just featured in variety as the movie going against 50 shades of gray (laughs) and not only that it's going against it but just just in terms of its tone and its audience and all that how do you feel about about that (laughs) well i think it's a very clever marketing uh uh, angle you know i'm I'm not really involved in the the marketing of the film but uh it's uh Old Fashioned is a romance that's a story about a free-spirited girl and uh, an ex-frat boy who kind of attempt to have uh, a modern-day uh, old-fashioned courtship, you know, something almost lost in, in modern-day America and what that means. And as we get to know these characters, we find out a lot of secrets about their kind of past life and see see if they can embark on this uh, different way of having a, a romantic relationship. Oh, that is exactly the opposite of <laughs> right, it is. It's great, very the opposite. That is so, brilliant, actually. <laughs> It really is truly the opposite in every way of Fifty Shades of Grey. So uh, Clay, who is the main character, has all these rules for himself. He's a little bit... um 
uh, you know, uh, of this uh, moralistic, uh, kind of legalistic character who, for example, doesn't want to, you know, be alone in a room with a woman unless there's someone else there, but only, um, you know, spend, spends a lot of time doing the whole courtship, and he doesn't really like to call it dating. Um, the girl in these relationships thinks this is kind of a little ridiculous, but a little charming, and so she, but she suddenly starts falling for him, and, and the story goes from there. I don't want to spoil it, but it's, uh, yeah, it's a great film, and I think it's, uh, it's kind of fun, and it was a little fortuitous. We weren't necessarily planning on this whole, I, I think we shot the film three years ago, so we didn't even know, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey was going to be a film, or that it was coming out Valentine's Day 2015, but as the film got finished, the producer said, hey, you know, like, this is a great, uh, great way to put this as another alternative for a date movie, so. So all these things are happening for you at one time. It's really, <laughs> how, how did you go from being an engineer to, I mean, I, I see in your bio, mm-hmm. you know, you decided to make this short film and the short film got attention and stuff like that. But what was it that made you just go, you know what, <laughs> I'm dropping this. I'm going for this. Was there something that happened in? in yeah, a little bit. You know, I'll just say the bio always makes it uh, sound easier than it is. You, know, you leave out all the difficult parts. <laughs> um you know, I was an electrical engineering major in college, and but I'd always loved um, music and storytelling, so I'd, I'd written poetry and short stories, and um, I studied engineering partly because I was just fascinated with the idea of being able to uh, fabricate things that were, were new and uh, sort of have an invention streak. And after about 10 years of doing that, uh, I, I was enjoying it, but I, I didn't find any creative artistic uh, satisfaction in any of the jobs that I had. It was often sitting in a cubicle and managing other software engineers. And, and I just, you know, I would write these little short stories and think there's got to be more to it than this. And so this was like uh, early 2000s, 2002, 2003. I, I, uh, the company I was working for closed their Austin office, offered to move me to Detroit, and I said, no thanks. Uh, <laughs> Detroit's not a place I wanted to move to. And uh, I said, you know, if I'm going to do this, this is time to go for it. So I, I bought a camera, uh, took some film classes, and uh, just set out to make a series of short films to you know learn the craft and see what happened. That first short film was more of an experiment than anything. I had no idea it was going to end up going to festivals or opening the doors it did so that's incredible that is really so. cool now you you also have a, a business right now <laughs> that does combine your right. expertise your right. old expertise <laughs> with your new expertise right can you tell everybody a sure little bit yeah about it's that? uh the business is called positron and uh, i started earlier this year and it um so positron it, the best way to describe it is imagineering um we do interactive experiences immersive storytelling um mainly for companies and brands but uh, every now and then also just for a, an art installation so uh, it's easier to explain to company to give an example. Like for example, we for John Deere wanted to talk about their new John Deere uh, engine oil, and um, we took one of their actual tractors and took out the engine and then developed a story-driven video game. And we put a TV on top of the tractor and the tractor mounted on a uh, motion platform um, with uh, hydraulics, so people would get on and be on an actual ride and they'd kind of enter this little world and drive the tractor around and three minutes later get off and sort of, you know, haven't been able to touch, feel, taste, experience, you know, the message. Um, I started off doing some consulting in that area as, a, as an engineer and then as some of the clients found out about, oh, you're a filmmaker and well, can you write some, you know, direct some videos for us and bring it together with all this, this whole gaming and uh, transmedia where you have different forms of storytelling coming together is really interesting to me. So. so do you use that as an advertising tool or would it be in-house where mm-hmm. you could get all the people in the departments to see what they're working on and experience it? 
Are you talking about the like like the, with, with that little that little interactive experience? Oh yeah, for it, it's kind of a- advertising and marketing for our customers. Yeah, so John Deere takes that around. They take it to trade shows. They have it in their like corporate lobby, and uh, then they take it to their customers. So instead of them reading a brochure or you know even watching a YouTube video, this is something that you know, has maybe a little more attraction and a little more exciting. So. Can you tell me about some of your other stuff? Because like, sure, this, yeah. the, I don't know, this is, this is cool. <laughs> and I think it also gets people who, you know, are mm-hmm. screenwriters right now, right. but also, you know, they have, they have day jobs right. and thinking about how to combine the two right. to make the business experience more interesting right. or, or actually sell the products that they're sure that yeah. they're involved in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I th- a lot of this I think comes down to, um, you know, we're, there's, there's a, a younger, you know, the millennial generation and younger is, is uh, a lot more, you know, marketers will tell you a lot more harder to reach. You know, they, they, they're a little more jaded. They're not tuned in to just kind of direct advertising. You know, it's, it's, they care more about um, experiences and things that they have a little more meaning and matter and stories is one day to do that. But also <clears throat> I think as, as there's just such a um, abundance of, you know, barrage of, media on our screens on our facebook feeds it's it's harder to stand out and so when you have something that's i think engages more of your senses um you know with light and sound and vibration and feeling and something that you can actually touch and see it it becomes more meaningful and people will pay more attention um another example of a project that we're working on now is and it's kind of more related to film is I'm working on uh, writing and directing the world's first holographic 3D film. So we're working with a company called Voxybox that they only have two prototypes that exist right now, um, but they've created this 3D hologram TV where it's like a big clear cube and you literally have just like, uh, you know, Princess Leia and Star Wars projecting from R2D to these uh, holographic uh, images. And uh, so we're hoping to get that done in time and maybe premiere it South by Southwest or sometime a next whole year. Film of It'll it? be a short film. A yeah, short film. Yeah, 11 Ooh. minutes. Yeah, it's going to be called X Ray. So I've totally yeah. watched that. That was really cool. That was so I think really it'll be fun, cool. right? Yeah. Well, you know, you know, I was just sort of shocked. I mean, this was just a, a couple of years back. Um, my oldest daughter got really involved and obsessed with anything Japanese. Right. right. And there are these holographic rock stars. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. Do you know right. about them? Have you seen them? No. And she was just showing them to me on YouTube. She's like, oh my God, they're so cool. And, blah, blah, blah. and she was singing the songs and stuff. Right. And I was like, really hot. Oh my God. <laughs> right. Oh my God. You yeah. know, you're there are these thousands of people right. watching a stage uh, and it's That's a full like a hologram. Holograph. Right, it's, a, right. it's crazy, <laughs> yeah. and it's it's so it's not even something that's like brand new. Right, right. It just yeah. hasn't really gotten integra- integrated right. into the way that we do entertainment out here exactly. yet. Yeah. Right, you know, right. except for occasional failed CNN experiments. Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> exactly. Right. That is really amazing. Right. So, like, you're you're somebody. I mean, you've done animation. Mm-hmm. You've done. You're you're doing a thriller. You've got a family film. You're doing this. <laughs> Um, clearly, you're fine about jumping from medium to medium and genre to genre. Right. Are Are you at all worried? I'm like, let's say that I'm your representation. Sure. And I say, yeah. yeah, but what's your brand, man? Right, right. Um, what's your brand? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Um, I do worry about that sometimes. You know, I get interested in a lot of things and I'll, I'll kind of experiment and I'm going to try this, try that. I feel like I do gravitate a lot towards things that are sci-fi, thriller, uh, dramas, things that... Um, you know, have to deal with philosophical questions. And so there's maybe a common theme in a lot of my work about, um, you know, either questioning a lot of the reality that we're in, looking at dystopian futures. Um, you know, so if, if I were, 
a writer that could be anybody. I would love to be someone like Ray Bradbury, um, you know, directing styles more maybe like Christopher Nolan um, that just explores a lot of these big, big themes, um, but uh, brings, you know, something maybe deep and personal in the characters as well. That was a so. good answer. You're hired. <laughs> You're, I'm representing Great. you now right. in my imaginary representation kind of way. Uh, one thing I thought was interesting was um, the, when I saw the... The, your trailer for Flatland, mm-hmm. the movie. And it's funny, I thought Flatland. I just thought it was like some kind of post-apocalyptic kind of thing. But <laughs> right. what it's about are 2D characters mm-hmm. who find a way into being 3D characters, and mm-hmm. it's about math. Right, right. And it's educational. It is. So was that something you had sort of set out to write on an educational level, or did it become educational uh-huh. after you were done? Uh, it, I think it... A little bit of both. So Flatland is actually based on a, a book that was just considered maybe the first sci-fi novel written. It's from oh. 1882. Ooh. And uh, yeah, it's it's like you were describing. It's about a world of only two dimensions. And the Flatlanders uh, don't believe in the existence of a third dimension. And so the Flatland society, everybody's organized by, sh- they're all geometrical shapes, you know, squares, pentagons. Uh, hexagons. The more sides you have, the higher your status in society. And the, you know, the, the circles consider themselves to have infinite number of sides, and they're the priests of the land that rule it. And uh, one day, a, a flatlander gets visited by this third-dimensional being from Spaceland and tries to tell everybody about it and uh, about this new direction he discovered called Upwards, and they put him on trial for heresy. So it kind of combines a lot of uh, both mathematics and drama and philosophy and uh, theology, maybe. Um, it's kind of been a cult classic. I read it in high school. And when my producer, Seth Kaplan, and my uh, our uh, other partner, Daniel Johnson, our animation director, came together to make it. We were first like, this is crazy. How do you make a film about things that are kind of abstract and clearly it has to be animated? And uh, as we began writing a story, Seth, our producer, said, you know, uh, I'd like to find a way to... Uh, you know, make money off this or sell it or find find places to take it. Um, so he began to explore the educational aspect of it. Uh, we started kind of inquiring. We kind of fa- kind of found out that because of the math content, math teachers love this film. Um, there's you know almost nobody makes movies for them. So if you are in education, you're a history teacher. You have all these Ken Burns documentaries to choose from or things that you want to share classroom with with math teachers. You know, uh, like there's Donald Duck and. Mathland, it's been around forever, and there's not a whole lot else. Um, so the idea of having a 35-minute film that can be shown during class, it gets kids inspired and gets their imagination activated. Suddenly we found we were rock stars in the math education world. Like, what, they would what, fly uh, us out and have a speak and, like, like, send a limo to pick us up from the airport. It was just hilarious. Like, we, we were like, math this is, movie stars. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, and so uh, we have a lot of people that... You know, you don't have to love math or the interesting education aspect to enjoy the film. It's 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 a narrative film, um, you know, three acts and, and a drama and a, and a fascinating story. But uh, uh, we we kind of found that there was a big niche in terms of the I guess selling of the movie in that world. So, uh, um, how what is what age is this aimed for? You know, it's really truly one of those movies that's all ages. I my uh, five year old, she watched it when she was four and loves it. Um, you know, we've had adults love it. Um, in the math education world, it's probably a little more popular in kind of junior high to high school level. Hmm. But uh, but it is in all ages. Film. You know, I used to watch this because I have a nine year old who oh, yeah. isn't very good with uh-huh. math, and she has a mother who cannot help her with her homework <laughs> at all. Right. Like it's it's so lame. She'll hand me stuff, and I'm like. 
honey, I, I just don't know. I mean, isn't that awful? I'm a grown-up. I can't help a, f- a fourth grader with her homework. Awful. I doubt I could. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're looking at me. I hope you're, I hope you're asking me <laughs> yeah, we, to help. I'm asking you to come over and help my, my fourth grader. <laughs> but maybe if we watch this movie. Yeah, you should. You should watch maybe, it. Yeah. The yeah. main, you know, the main kind of... Um, character in the film is played by Kristen Bell is a nine-year-old girl who kind of uses her imagination and curiosity to uh, solve these big problems and, and rescue her grandfather so did you get to hang out with Martin Sheen at all I'm just wondering a little bit yeah at the studio yeah, oh that, was, that was that was pretty exciting a little intimidating first <laughs> first time but, what about uh, Michael York he oh, was Michael great York. you know it's funny we recorded Michael we recorded Martin and Kristen and Tony all the same day in the studio here in LA and then Michael York we'd been trying to chase for a long time he plays Furious the third dimension being and I just felt like that character should have a booming voice and somehow you know British accents just make everybody sound more smart they so, do don't you know? they <laughs> that's right so I wanted to uh, get him and it took almost a year after we recorded their voices to to uh, get his schedule cleared up and um, he was great I think he was slightly skeptical of the idea of like was this going to work and then I showed him clips and he's like by god you did it it works <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was a lot of fun oh my god <laughs> yeah. oh my god Somebody should should bring him back into a movie. He was, you know. Oh yeah. I mean, in the Since Logan's Run. Yeah, like Logan's Run. Was the <laughs> I love best. that movie. Yeah. You know, there was this exactly. period of time in movies right. where he was in everything. That's right. right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Ah. So, what have you learned with all of this? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you started as an engineer who mm-hmm. was, you know, thinking I'd like I'd like to tell stories right. on screen. Um, what have you learned on a craft level as mm-hmm. you've as you've progressed and and sure. uh, gotten some success? You know, I I've learned a lot, and I I, I wish I I could have learned my lesson and sooner um i think a lot of it is uh trying to learning from i guess learning but from people who have done this before um is is always helpful so uh taking screenwriting classes and um uh, at least for someone myself who didn't go to film school who kind of came at it from another angle i i feel like i had to write so many bad scripts make so many mistakes before I started to get a little better at what I did. And what were some of the mistakes that you made that you don't make now? <laughs> well, I, I think, uh, you know, uh, one of my first short films, I just, uh, I, I just wrote it, crazy amounts of action. Um, you know, the, the, just the, the, the length of it and how much of it was just not going to work. Not, not rewriting the script enough times before saying we're going to go shoot this. So, I think a lot of other now is like it, like just make that script as perfect as you can. The editing, you leaning it down, even though there's there's a yeah. lot. Workshop it, do a, a table read, you know, do do as much as you can because that's really you know, your chance to edit the movie before you start spending money. So. Now, as somebody who works with big concepts, right, who's an Imagineer, right. who's, you know, I mean, I think the magic of, of somebody like a Ray Bradbury or mm-hmm. some of the people that you were saying were your mm-hmm. influences, they could take these huge concepts and rein them in mm-hmm. to some kind of focused story. Right. Uh, do you have a way of doing that? I mean, especially as somebody who knows all the possibilities right, for a right, concept. Right. Um, is, there, is there a way you go like, okay, but this is the story we can best use right. to tell to, sure. to get that concept across yeah for me it, you know at least my process a lot is it starts with a general vague idea you know so for like dragon day the idea came to me driving home from the mountains i was my wife was actually driving the car and i was kind of like doing the like nodding in and out of sleep and kind of in a half dream and i i saw people on the side of the road and for whatever bizarre reason the thought entered my head that these were soldiers 
uh, pulling people out of their cars about to execute them. And I just thought, wow, what a freaky, bizarre thing to see something like that. And that led to sort of thinking, like, what what kind of scenario would make that happen? And, like, what if suddenly the U.S. overnight became this, uh, you know, war zone country? And what what's a plausible, you know, somewhat plausible, at least in the movie world, story world, that could lead that? And then in terms of focusing it, containing it, then what I go to next is just try to build that around a, a character, like who's who's the main person in this, and why are they here, and what are they about, what are what are they really good at, what are they you know what do they need to grow, what, what are they needing to um, you know what weaknesses they need to overcome. So for Dragon Day, it was that was probably one of the hardest parts for me, but it was about figuring out like who Duke Evans was, um, you know, even his like profession and his family, and why is why is he in the middle of this? What's he going to do about it? Um, and just spending a lot of time asking questions, you know, about this character. And I, I feel like once I have that answered, the keeping it focused becomes easier because then I can say, oh, well, you know, he can just be in this uh, remote mountain cabin. So we're not going to have to show, uh, you know, tanks rolling around L.A. or we're not going to have to show, uh, you know, the, the Pentagon and all, all, all like big scenes we couldn't have filmed with our budget. We're just going to stay with him and experience it kind of through his eyes in this situation. So. We come through from a layperson's point of view. It right. immediately like right. says, okay, well, this is the, the average Joe's experience right. as yeah. opposed to you know, Tom Cruise saving the world. Exactly. Kind of exactly. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, there was movies that I think I've had to watch that it inspired me that, you know, have been able to work and taking those big concepts and come down. Um, there's a movie that came out not too long ago called monsters as uh, scoop McNary, who's also in my film dragon day. And it was basically a, a sci-fi movie where, aliens have invaded and there's this whole infected zone between Mexico and the U.S. that um, uh, all these monsters are around and aliens and you're not supposed to go in them so it's about him trying to go rescue this girl on the other side of the infected zone and you know they filmed it with a crew of like two people and the two actors and you know did a lot of CGI but it was very very effective um, movies like Deterrence which I don't know if you ever saw that film with Kevin Pollack it was uh, did you see it David? you ever seen that no I didn't it was you know it was, it was an interesting movie he plays like the president of the US who gets like caught in a snowstorm in Colorado as he's doing a re-election campaign tour and when he's inside so he goes into this diner with his secret service agents about snowstorm and while he's there they get word that apparently the Soviet Union has decided to launch a nuclear attack on the US and their you know their communications are only so so they're trying to figure out if it's real or not and he has to basically decide is he going to you know send a nuke back or not and the whole movie happens in this one diner and it's kind of amazing it's filled with tension the stakes are incredibly high but uh, you know the the location is very contained that's and a, so, watch that yeah I mean, it, it, it wasn't until you came on the show that that I had never thought of war games as uh -huh. a small movie. Right, right. And you're absolutely right. It yeah. is a small movie. Right. So was, that yeah. was also one of my favorite, yeah. favorite you have, films. Yeah, you know, the kid I, in the house with yeah. his modem and hacking in, and then, of course, the war room, but there's not a whole lot else. There really that. isn't. Yeah, right. You could yeah. do it as a damn play right. if you wanted to, <laughs> right? right? But yeah. it is about nuclear war. Right. Like, right. basically, it's about the mm -hmm. end of the world in these five minutes. Right. Will it happen? Right. And right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, we never actually... Mm -hmm go to the president right. and we don't you know we don't see any any uh nukes or anything exactly, like that exactly right that's right it's yeah. really cool i think that that's an interesting challenge mm -hmm. for people 
sometimes when we think about something, especially if it's an independent film, that, um, no, it has to be, you know, two people talking or walking. And it has to be very (laughs) um, small, maybe even a domestic story. But you could have a global Mm -hmm. story played out in a a smaller environment and it still feels very big. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, if I were writing a movie, you know, for a studio, I would, of course, I would love to make it big and have these incredible, you know, huge visual scenes. But I think you... You know, if you're choosing what to write, if you're going to write something to to sell and develop at a big budget, you could do it one way. But if you want to try to do it independently on a low budget, sometimes that constraint can actually, you know, open up some creativity that you wouldn't have otherwise. So, Can I just tell you? All right. Last week. No, this week. What is it? It's Sunday that we're filming, right? Okay, so well, we're not filming. We're not filming. If we are, we're not filming. I, I would be the imaginary up. cameras aren't on. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Sorry, that we're that we're recording. Wednesday, I taught in Dallas. Tuesday was the report of the first uh, Ebola case right. in the United States in Dallas. Uh-huh. That's Tuesday. <laughs> Wednesday, I'm teaching in Dallas, oh, wow. right? So I get on the plane. There's I'm the beginning like, of your movie, right? Here we go. Here we go. I'm like, oh, you know, whatever. It's it's nothing, right? You know. So I teach my class, and then I watch the news at night, and it's like he's been in contact with oh, only four people. Oh, make that a hundred. <laughs> so then um, uh, on Thursday, I'm in the airport uh-huh. on my way home hopefully but I'm in the Dallas airport and I'm watching a CNN report about Ebola at the Dallas airport it's talking about like how this guy came through and who he could have impacted and you know and so all these people are sitting around me and we're all watching the CNN report at the Dallas airport about Ebola at the Dallas airport and I'm just thinking I have seen this movie. <laughs> That's it right. It doesn't end well. <laughs> That's right. It's, yeah. I really, I, I hope I can go home. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, the plane was delayed and oh, everybody's no. getting a little bit antsy. You know. Right, right. Are, oh you my sure, God. are you sure we couldn't have done this podcast over Skype or something today? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Just until we make sure you're... <laughs> come, here, come here. I want to give you a hug, baby. Come here. Big sloppy. Yeah. You know, congratulations on your wedding kiss. <laughs> it, just, it was just so like... But, uh, you know, so of course, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to all these different... Okay, is this the teaser? Right. Is this the teaser for the movie, or is this where the movie takes place? It all mm. just takes place right at here at airport, the gate. Yeah. At, right. And I was thinking, well, it depends on the budget, you know. So right. of course, I was like, <laughs> that's where that's I go right, when I don't right. want to deal with things. As well, it is clearly a movie. So <laughs> right. what would the movie be? But I mean, it's you know th- this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, all it takes right. is sort of one experience, and it, it can make you yeah, exactly. think of a movie right, like right. like you half falling asleep in the car. Right, right. That <laughs> ah, was my long way around to say I can relate. Okay. <laughs> um, I think that, I, that we should probably uh, end here because we've okay. gotten so much great information. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very glad that I got uh-huh. a chance to meet you and find out about all of these projects. There are too many to pick from. Where do you want people to go to find out more about you or your projects? Or well, sure. what do you want them to watch first? Um, you know, you can go check out Dragon Day at dragondaymovie.com. Um, uh, my website's jeffreytravis.com. It has links to trailers for my films. And uh, I write a blog occasionally, post what I'm working on and what's coming up. It's got links to Positron as well. So that's your, that's your corporate work. Right. Okay, yeah. Positron. Yeah. Excellent. Exactly. Yeah. Excellent. Everybody so, go check it out. Yeah. And David, why don't you tell everybody where they can follow you? 
the main place to go is to battleshippretension.com. That's uh, where I host my podcast, Battleship Pretension, as well as where you can find all of my movie, re- movie reviews and all the other movie reviews and all the other podcasts that are part of our family, including my TV podcast, which is called Hey, Watch This with Paul and David. And I'm on Twitter at The Pretension. And you can go to onthepage.tv, as you know. Um, the, no- the November rewrite class should be filling as you hear this. And uh, so please, sign up for that. That is live in Los Angeles. If you want any pre-recorded classes, they are now online. Go to the online section of onthepage.tv. And hopefully, um, when this comes out, I will have been returning from London and Dublin and Lisbon, and hopefully Ebola will not have traveled over there. <laughs> but you never know. It will have traveled with you. <laughs> yeah, you're bringing maybe I, I don't want to be the lead in this movie. I just don't. I got the title for your movie, Terminal Illness. Oh, <laughs> sweet. Sweet. Okay. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you very much, Jeffrey. Thank you very much, David. Thanks, everybody out there, and have a good writing week. <laughs>